Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week, it's a killer, killer lady of rock. Louise Post, one of the co-founders of Baruka Salt. I mean, I think everyone remembers them from songs like this, Seether, Volcano Girls. They were so hot, those first couple of albums in the 90s. And then uh, she co-founded them with, uh, with Nina Gordon. And Nina eventually left, went solo. Louise stuck around, did the other, made another couple of albums under the name Veruca Salt, and that was pretty much it. They came back and made a, a reunion album about mm, 10 years ago or so. I kept calling it Grace Notes in here. It's called Ghost Notes. It's really good, actually. But this is for, uh, Louise recently put out her very first solo album under her, old, her own name called Sleepwalker. And it's really, really excellent. And uh, I wanted to talk to her about it because I feel like when I listen to the new album, and this became kind of apparent in our conversation, that uh, life, COVID, motherhood, marriage, all of these things have brought about a sort of sense of vulnerability within Louise that may or may not have been there before, but it's definitely kind of, to me, a, gr a great focal point of this new album. So I wasn't intending to get to talk about those things necessarily, but it really seemed very true and very prescient in our conversation. Sleepwalker is a really strong album. And like I said, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. In fact, while we're talking a few minutes into the conversation, because it, we talked on release day, the producer, Matt, who's also in her band, stopped by her house in the middle of our interview to bring her a present. I actually felt kind of bad that she was doing an interview with me at that time, but thankfully he came on for a few minutes. We chatted with him too, but Louise and I, I don't know, we kind of made a connection uh, just about life and our stages in life, uh, spirituality, marriage, all of these kinds of things. And I, this was a really a much deeper and profound conversation that I, I was expecting to have right off the bat because of the nature of how hard Veruca Salt rocked. I wondered if she was influenced by like 80s, you know, hair metal people like Lita Ford or Wendy Williams. She wasn't. She explains a lot of her um, true inspirations in here. But it's a really interesting conversation. One thing I will tell you, you may or may not know, back in the 90s, she dated Dave Grohl and uh, they dated for a bit. They broke up. He wrote Everlong, supposedly about their relationship. Um, I was asked ahead of time not to bring those things up, and I honored that. So if you're aware of those little bits of trivia and you're wondering why they didn't come up in conversation, she had asked not to, and I could understand why, and so we did, I honored that we didn't go there. But there's tons of other great information in here with or without that, all right? Anyway, check out Sleepwalker because it's really strong. She called me from her home in L.A. First and foremost, I know we got to talk about the new album, and we're going to, I promise. I've listened to it a ton, and I really like it. I have a lot of questions. But one of the main things that's been kind of dominating my mind since getting ready to talk to you is when going going back over and listening to the Baruch Assault stuff for the first time in a while, I thought if Louise had been a thing about five years earlier, would she have been like the next Wendy O. Williams? or? Uh, Lita Ford or whatever. You strike me as such a like rock chick, heavy metal, make you know sleazy, heavy. That's how you like it. And I wonder if I, I this could go nowhere, but I'm curious if like that '80s Sunset Strip hair metal scene 
was your scene prior to becoming a rock star in Veruca Salt? No, okay. definitely not. Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> definitely not. So what uh, are your touchstones then? Is it like Kim Gordon or something? What made you decide to rock so heavy? It's not Kim Gordon. Um, I would, uh, I would definitely say Kim Deal. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, women who in the women who really, I really admired um, growing up and into becoming a songwriter. I mean, or I'll start from the beginning. Um, Stevie Nicks, Christy McVie, Nancy and Ann Wilson, Michelle Phillips and Mama Cass from when I was really little. And um, that those harmonies, like, in, it, it, you know, started, they got in there. And the, the, I mean, the Beatles as well. I'm just talking about women right now, like sure. harmony led bands um, that were where the harmonies were infused in the music. It was just, you know, it was so compelling to me. It just drew me right in. And the songwriting was incredible, of course. Mm -hmm. um, Bowie. Um, I mean, again, he's androgynous, but back to women. Um, <laughs> uh, also, Lou Reed. Uh, but um, growing up, I loved uh, when I, I loved Prince. I was obsessed with Prince, and I and I saw Lisa Coleman was on the back of his Dirty Mind album, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Who is that?" Um, I thought she was so cool. And then Wendy joined the band in Purple Rain, Wendy Melvoine, mm -hmm. and um, I saw every concert. Prince from Controversy 1999, Purple Rain, uh, Love Sexy. I saw them all in big arenas. Um, and yeah, I loved um, I loved The Doors. I loved Jim Morrison. I loved, um, I mean, okay, we're going back to women now, but you see, you see I like a lot yeah. of male rockers and, and the women I started to like, um, in college, I was listening to a lot. Well, from a very young age, my mom played Joni Mitchell around the house, and I didn't really much care for, I hate to say it, don't kill me, but Joni Mitchell. It just yeah. sort of represented the 70s and my parents' divorce and my mother's newfound feminism, which, of course, now I prize, and I'm so grateful for everything she taught me and the ways in which she fought for herself and her freedom and her own claiming her own life and her own voice and um everything about that time for her was, was important for important for me to witness as a child. But at the time, um, Joni Mitchell didn't do it for me because I, I like her voice and Kate Bush's voice and even Ricky Lee Jones, women I came to treasure and love different eras, but you know, same idea were um, they were, there's something in the feminine about them. Maybe it seems sort of histrionic or too like I don't even want to say anything negative because I love them so much now that uh, my first like feeling somewhat repelled was not um, it didn't it didn't have legs like I came right. to love those artists like nothing else and um, but they're all idiosyncratic that's not crazy for you to say that I mean Joni Kate and Ricky Lee's especially. They don't write straightforward three or four minute pop songs. They do. There is a dr drama to, the, to it and a storytelling yeah. aspect that's different than everybody. So that's yeah. not uncommon, I don't think, for you to feel sort of a, a distance between you and them that has to, you have to make up that ground eventually, become that fan. Yeah. And I went to Barnard College in New York and mm -hmm. Barn uh, Suzanne Vega also went there. Oh, sure. I actually shared a thesis advisor and she was just coming kind of breaking when I was a, a junior in college or a sophomore in college. Uh -huh. She had just graduated Barnard sometime before that. And um, 
I was writing poetry and found her music at the same time. And I was living on this in this apartment on an air shaft on 79th in Amsterdam, this off campus mm. housing, and uh, with no 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 sunlight, just like mm-hmm. you know, clanging of a of a a radiator and a lot of uh, strange noises all around from fixed rate fixed rate tenants and fixed rent mm-hmm. tenants. Um, and like Suzanne Vega's music really kept me company at that time, and so did. Um, so did Kate Bush, uh, love and, um, and soon, I mean, then as, as time wore on, it was like, uh, I found the Pixies, I was introduced to the Pixies, uh, Sinead O'Connor had once on me. And, um, so like, and then I discovered my bloody Valentine and the women in that band. Incredible. Um, I love Belly's, especially Belly's first record. Mm-hmm. Just, it was so dreamy and beautiful and and perfect. I loved Liz's Liz Pear's first record. Um, there was okay. a, at the time when that we came out, and I was I was really. Um, I mean, the, the when I first heard throwing muses, where's my husband? Whatever that song is called, I was so <laughs> blown away. And yes, there was some Sonic Youth stuff that blew me out of the water. Like Sugarcane is one of my all time favorite songs. There you go. Um, so yeah, like. I was I would search out the women in bands. I remember buying a Muffs seven inch just because um, there were women on the cover. You know, yeah. I went to go see L seven without knowing there were women in the band. I thought it was uh, me one there, and I thought it was uh, like I thought they were the roadies, and they picked up their <laughs> and I <laughs> they picked up their instruments. I was like, wow, these are really cool female roadies. This band, uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's how deep the uh, the g- gender bias lies. Yeah. Um, and and so on, like the the sure. bands of the time, Bjork, um, yeah. that influenced me were like that. It wasn't. I wasn't. No, I was not a hair metal band. Okay, band. I just wondered because they're the '90s opened it up for women like you to rock like you do. There's Hole and there's you know Bikini Kill and stuff like that, but that wasn't always the case. And even then, there's still. You're still, unfortunately, kind of the minority. And so I've just, I'm listening to, like, uh, Innocent off of uh, the fourth album. I mean, 
I wonder sometimes if this is your first solo album because it's taken this long for your throat to heal after singing <laughs> Innocent, you know? All, that was all Nirvana. Like, I, I was influenced by male-fronted bands, you okay. know? Uh, Nirvana and the Pixies. Uh-huh. Uh, that was me channeling Curtin and Black Francis. Okay. Uh, so, and I love Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, growing up. I loved Jimi Hendrix and 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 Led Zeppelin. I mean, Immigrant Song. Um, oh yeah. You know, I was always uh, I was influenced by the dudes. Um, yeah. And so but I think the, that the I, women just mind, don't do this very much. Like yeah. What? Well, you did. You did. And you <laughs> nailed it. It's just there's maybe there are more women out there without record contracts, aping those same people, doing it as effectively as you did, and we just don't know about them. But unfortunately, it's a rarity to have someone like you or like Ward Entertainer off of Resolve. She sounds so angry. She sounds so, it's so hard. It's so guttural and filthy and grimy. And yet it's coming from this beautiful young woman that those two things don't always go together. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's also that record. If you heard the song imperfectly off of Resolver, it is a gentle, like, um, True. tearful lullaby. Yeah. So I kind of run the gamut. You do. Okay. I'm, that is the perfect segue to talking about the new album, because that's one of the things that I love most about the new album is the layers. It does, whereas it feels like on a, on a 
Baruch Assault album, there might have been one or two sort of mellower songs. This one, the new one, Sleepwalker, has it's almost like half kind of mellower songs, and they're beautiful. And I want to know what the story of some of these songs are. First of all, tell me about God I Know. In your shadow, God, I know what you want me to be, where you want me to go, and I'm sorry I'm not a better example, a better human, a better hero. I'm sorry I'm not a better example of you. God, I know what it's like to wake up scared of the day ahead. God, I know what it's like to wanna stay in bed. And I'm sorry I'm not a better example, a better human, a better that almost sounds like a confession. Uh, maybe it was. Maybe that's why it's called God I Know. But it almost sounds like somebody saying, look, I know I'm not perfect. I'm dealing with it. I'm trying my best. Tell me the story about that. I mean, that's really exactly it. Really? It, yeah. And it was, I wrote that song during the pandemic and I was really struggling. Um, and I'm not unique in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to be better. Like, I want to be better, and I always want to be better. And I think at that time, I just, I wanted to handle it. I wanted to be able to manage my feelings, like, really manage them, know how to, know how to, like, walk through this existential crisis with some kind of other knowing um, confidence, competence. Um, I'm a mom, so I really want to be the best mother I can possibly be and know how to be the adult in the room at all times and to feel like, you know, to, to my fear of that time is that for the kids, well, for the adults too, like there was no one adulting. I was looking around like, yeah, who the fuck is adulting here? Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. there's nobody in the government adulting that I no. can see. There's nobody like at the, you know, it just seemed like, can the, is the UN doing anything? Like now the Paris Accord is fucking broken. Mm -hmm. uh, what are we doing here? We're just like nose diving. And, and I think, you know, I, I marveled at my, my weakness at that time. And it, and I was troubled by it. You know, I really felt like, what can I do? to help other people? What can I do to be a better person? What can I do to make this better for other people? How can I survive through this? And it was like a, a prayer, um, a confession of sorts, like, um, what do I do with this? Like, you know, the shame that I feel yeah. um, of not being, um, not knowing how to walk through this with, with grace and knowledge and confidence, and, you know, so it was just vulnerability really. And, yeah. um, 
I just that song really just popped out of me. It was just one of those. Well, here it is. Yeah, it kind of you can tell that it comes from one of those sort of dark nights of the soul uh, mm. experiences. Are you a spiritual person? Yeah, I am. Are you? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of that. It's in it in and of itself is almost a bold, bald, ballsy statement for a rock star to make, and uh, so I I admire that. I love that you say that. Um, I want to ask you too about probably my favorite song in the album, which is the last one, "The Way We Live." You're going to have to tell me the story about it because it sounds like it might include a miscarriage. Maybe there's one less baby in Los Angeles. It sounds like someone lost their wedding ring. I assume that might be your husband. My favorite line is that you guys are good at watching TV, which is the same stage my wife and I are in, <laughs> especially during the pandemic. I mean, like we got nowhere to go. Let's keep watching Tiger King or whatever, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> tell me about what was the impetus for the way we live? What's going on there? Well, um, it's exactly what you're talking about. Oh my God. My producer's at my front door. And oh. he's got, I think he's got a present for me. Hold on. Maybe you can say take, hi to him. Oh, take your time. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, a lot. Come here, say hi to John. Oh, my God. John. Hi. I interrupted the, um, <laughs> hi. It's our release day. It's Sleepwalker release day. Matt brought me a present. I did. This is Matt. <laughs> hi, Matt. Matt, what's your last name? Drenick. I don't know the, I never got like the, sheet on the album i don't know who produced it or anything I've i just did been, well, i know you did now i've just been streaming it on soundcloud it's so good hi awesome. max good to meet you yeah you too i i just wanted to come in and say hi i bombarded in here i didn't know you were doing the interview so it's funny <laughs> it's okay. but i wanted to drop off something before i headed into the studio for and um i like your haircut do you it's cute i was gonna ask yeah yeah, yeah I, I chopped my hair a little bit really okay cute. We're about to go on tour together. Matt's also in the band. He he wears many hats. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you're coming here to Denver. You're playing the Globe Hall, which That's is near right. my house in oh. like three weeks, two weeks. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try and be there. I hope you can come. Matt will be there, too. I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get, put you on the guest list. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. I'm going to get out of here. But, but <laughs> okay. Do your thing. Get that right. Good thing, right? um, nice meeting you. You too, Matt. You, uh, Job well done. Her? The album is great. Awesome. Cool. I think so too. Thank you. So, all right. Bye, Bye. sweetheart.
All right. See you later. I feel like I'm harshing a mellow here. I feel like I'm harshing oh, a oh, reunion. No, no. We, I'm just, thank you for letting us have our moment. Of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not a bigger moment. Do you want to do this another time? So you do no. hang out. It was, it was the perfect moment. Okay. Perfect in, amount. In and out. In and out. <laughs> That's true. If you're going to go on tour together, you're going to be pretty sick of one another here pretty We're soon. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, just, we just spent a year together. so we're Yeah. Good. Yeah. You're good. But no, it's, you were asking okay. where we live, and so um, and I'm, I'm so it's funny you might bring up that song because this morning my husband said there are two songs I just can't listen to right now. He said last night he listened at nine o'clock when it came out on um, um, Pacific time. He listened sitting on the couch. Um, I was in Phoenix, flying back from Phoenix, where we shot a video for uh, What About. So he, the right, I texted him while I was a plane was about to take off. Sleepwalker comes out in 35 minutes, and he uh, he's like, "Oh wow, really?" And then he sat on the couch and listened to it um, front to back, I guess. And he said, "This morning there are only, there are two songs I can't listen to on the record. Uh, what about and Sleepwalker? I mean, sorry, uh, the way we live, they uh-huh. make me fall." <laughs> and um, and and I think I, I haven't talked to him about it, but. The way we live, um, yeah, I've been uh, we've been together a long time, and uh-huh. we uh, we've always been pretty good at watching TV together. <laughs> I have to say, um, but um, we've been through a lot. Yeah, and we um, we have experienced loss, and we've had great highs and challenging lows, uh-huh. and like um, it's it's never perfect yeah it's perfect in its imperfection yeah and i'm like i've i've surrendered to the per, like again to the 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 commitment and effort that mm-hmm. a long-term relationship demands requires yeah and um it's so worth it so rewarding and Sometimes it's really hard. Um, we piss each other off constantly. <laughs> I know. I've just we just hit twenty years two months ago, so I I know that's feeling pretty well. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I got the impression um, just by how nakedly honest the lyrics were in that song. I thought this sounds like a couple who maybe had a fight and. Uh, Somebody, you don't have to confirm or deny this, but just projecting onto my own life. Maybe there was a fight 
and maybe the once the once it cooled off, somebody thought, you know, if I'm honest about it, there's still a lot of things I love about us, including some highs and lows and some stories. And here are some stories that I'm going to put them in our, I'm going to put them in this song. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. Like um, it was the song. I didn't intend to sit down and write about it as I, as was the case with most of these songs. They just came out of me. Um, it's always been the, the way of things, but, um, and how I, I write. I, I don't necessarily sit down. I don't have an idea. Sit, say I'm going to go write about this. Sit down and do it. That's not my process. Mm -hmm. I usually have um, no idea that I have a song that I need to write, and then mm -hmm. um, the lyrics will um, just sort of sh take shape, mm -hmm. and um, I'll get out what I need to get out mm -hmm. because it's how I process life and difficulty. And uh, as you know from things like Born Entertainer and uh, Innocent Rage. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, pull no punches. Mm -hmm. um, and so with, uh, with that song in particular, it was, um, it's sort of a resignation, but a peaceful one. And yeah. it's also, it's also jubilant to me. Yeah. It's a celebration yeah. of, yeah. um, I'm here through thick and thin, like for better, for worse. Yeah. Um, and the reality, the re you know, the, the coming, you know, my, my so to, coming to Jesus moment, so to speak of like, this is how it is, you know? Yeah. And also yeah. like, we're going to, we're, we're in this, yeah. like we drive each other nuts, but yeah. we also have, in, it's an incredibly, this is why I like coming to understand like what this, what marriage is, you know? Yeah. And like what, um, like, wow. Like there are so many moments when somebody might've left. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. has, nobody's going to. Yeah. And that, that reality that like um, it's, it may never be again, like not, it may never be that whole idea of romance of constant romance is such a high bar yeah. and something that just can't be maintained. It's a thing of, of movies and um, yeah. it's a, it's a manufactured Hollywood idea. Um, perhaps it's much older than that. And perhaps it is <laughs> something that really truly exists. Um, but like I, I function Some people. Well. For some people, perhaps, but it's for I, I I do well with consistency, reliability, loyalty, honesty, and um and honestly, like what is so satisfying, rewarding to me about friendships, relationships, all ships is that is the um working through stuff like when 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 the waters get choppy, yeah, and I'm not always comfortable in that. I don't want to talk about stuff. I'd rather retreat and yeah. you know not but it's it's uh that's where therein lies the the beauty and the growth and even in the discomfort and moving through it and on the other side is is a reward it's the mm -hmm. reward of knowing someone better and deepening your love for them and theirs for you yeah. so um, that's pretty this much is great it. this is great i i needed to hear that you know i think anyone who's been married for a while needs to hear that because uh, they need to remember that it's a daily commitment to making something work. And it's not always going to be easy, but it, it has to be consistent. Now, speaking of talking about vulnerable times, you wrote this. I didn't. I want to know what you're talking about in the song Secrets. I would talk about you crying. 
When you were saying, like, I never loved you more than when you were on the bathroom floor, or maybe I have that reversed, something like that. What does that mean? What is that? I mean, I don't know. I was going to say maybe that's too personal, but you wrote the song. So tell me about that. Um, it's not about me. Oh, okay. Um, it, it it's funny that you say bathroom floor because that was the original lyric. I what, changed, did I, what is it's, it? It's back room, back room. Oh. I changed it to back room because I thought bathroom floor was too, it sounded too much like an overdose. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's why I thought I heard bathroom floor. So all this time I'm imagining, I don't know, maybe there's a relationship record. Maybe the husband like OD'd at one point or something. I don't know. Well, it, it, it is. It was bathroom floor, and it was an OD, but it wasn't my husband. Wow. Um, it, was, uh, it was not about. It was not fictional, but it was not about my family. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. It's about a heartbreaking experience that I, I witnessed, and um, I, I I saw from a distance, and it, certainly I put myself in it. Uh -huh. I was. Um, I'm, I'm, it's not like I didn't feel any of those feelings or haven't, or none of that is mine, but it, the story itself was actually uh, about something I was witnessing in, with a, a good friend and, mm. and what he was going through. Mm. Um, and um, I've certainly seen that around me and I've seen like, um, you know, I've seen a lot of close calls around me mm. and I, I've witnessed that with close friends yeah. Uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not unique in that way either, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, but um, this was, uh, this was one of those. And I think it was, um, it's funny. I, I usually write straight out of my heart, my experience, all my life. And this was not about me. Mm. Um, mm. I, I, I well, in a way that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame it happens to anybody, but it sounded a little horrific. It it was horrific. It just yeah. didn't happen in my in my in my house. Okay. So it wow. was. It's it's telling a story of someone else, you know, and and it's my my version. It's not right. someone like real life. It's just my version mm -hmm. of what I imagined, and I think sort of processing it in my own way. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to exploit anybody, but sure. like. Uh, to, to witness that is upsetting and to be uh, close to someone um, who goes through that is upsetting. And yeah. it, we all are so interwoven and interconnected that if one of us falls, the rest of us feel it. If one of us, you know, well, I, th I feel like uh, this is the collective consciousness. It's so strong. 
And for um, if it's like we're all like a big, big puzzle. And if there's a missing piece, if there's something that, you know, it gets compromised or if um, it ripples, right? Mm -hmm. If there's someone we know is hurting, it ripples. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've made it my mission really to live the best way I can and to be as as positive of a force in this world as I can, because I want everyone around me to prosper, mm-hmm. to um, feel peace, and um, and to feel joy. Mm-hmm. And, and the best way to do that for me personally is to, uh, well, not shy away from <clears throat> the discomfort. As like this Buddhist nun Pima Chodron says, like lean into it. It's it's not her concept. It's a Buddhist concept, but lean into the grief, lean into the feeling, and um, you'll be okay. Feel you're safe there. It's okay. It's not going to eat you alive. Um, and my tendency is to um, to like run, to hide, to not want to feel, to imbibe, to 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 like uh, dull the feeling. And ironically, I just heard yesterday. Uh, I read somewhere, like, um, ironically, because of the name of my album, Sleepwalker, I read something um, that said, don't sleepwalk through life, feel your feelings, don't Mm -hmm. run away. And the sleepwalking I'm talking about is to some degree, it was something I did when I was small. But it's also something I feel like I was doing during COVID. It's like sleepwalking, kind of not being able to, to, um, I don't know what it's called, except uh, I don't know what it's t- called, um, psychologically speaking, but to almost like remove myself from it because it's too much for me to bear, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> displace myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but um, detach yeah, uh, because th- what's happening is too heavy. Yeah. Uh, but in, but again, like the, what I feel like is the best practice is to just be quiet, be still and listen to hear the voices, let them exist and then let them go and be here and now and practice gratitude for what is happening right here. And now Mm -hmm. that's my, that's my, like, that's the muscle I try to flex every day and I try it and I do it poorly often, but it's what keeps me centered and grounded and um, connected to my fellow man and woman. Mm -hmm. And yeah, under the sun <clears throat> that's great um and i i mean uh, COVID is COVID affected everybody in so many different ways um and uh yeah my i mean i i my mental health has gone down during that period it still does a lot of that i feel like has to do with politics i'm just frustrated and confused by what i see out there i want to mention one other one other song on the album that struck me with another line of kind of vulnerability that we're talking about in all these years when you sort of say that refrain stay and never let go Sad, sad, sad And you made 
And I, again, I'm wondering um, that, first of all, it sounds vulnerable. And that as simple a line as that is, that's something that anyone who loves somebody would just plead with them to do. Please stay and never let go. What were you singing about? What's that about? Well, I it, my, my whole life has been shaped by the fear that someone's leaving, mm-hmm. that some, I'm going to be left. I'm going to be left alone, that I'm not safe with somebody. From a young age, um, and I, I think it started with my parents fighting from a really young age. Um, one of them was straying outside of the house, straying outside of the marriage, and they were fighting over that. That went on for four years, from the time I was four to eight, and they, they separated when I was eight. And I used to sleepwalk and have night terrors. I was always a very sensitive person and um, I'd say probably like my, my whole life has been shaped by the fear that somebody's going to leave. Somebody's not here. This isn't safe. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, I'm not unique, but I am unique in that this is my experience. Um, I have always felt like um, a fear of being left left period and um so i think ultimately that pleading is uh that was something that i added at the end of that song it wasn't in there Hmm. everything else like in in the pot (laughs) at the end Uh of that song and then but i needed something to tie it together and i kept hearing this insistent line right there this insistent note Hmm. that was not an obvious note, but it was just the mantra. It was a mantra that kept going. And I I started singing those words without, again, um, really looking to express that that particular sentiment. But it those words did tie it all together. It, they said exactly what I was saying through the whole song. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't go. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if everyone's like that. Um uh-huh. I don't imagine they are, but um, for me, that's that's the main thing. Is like, um, can I trust you? Yeah. Are you gonna stay? Are you gonna betray me? Yeah. Are you gonna pull some crazy shit? Are you saying stuff behind my back? Can I trust right. you? Right. And um, it breaks my heart when when people when people leave. And I mean, that sounds crazy because people do leave. People do separate. People go their different ways. And we have we're in each other's lives for a season for a reason. And and there's beauty in that. And that doesn't negate or invalidate the time that one spends with, with someone else. In fact, often, you know, these experiences and relationships shape our lives, and then we are meant to move on and um, separate. And I think there's beauty in that as well. Um, but in terms of the people that I, I really are in my my heart people, like those are the ones that um, that stick around. Yeah. I'm curious because, I mean, the real softball question here of all of this is why did it take so long to put out a, your first solo album? 
And everything we're talking about in relation to COVID, I'm guessing that might have had something to do with it. I'm also guessing that um, because we've, I didn't intend for us to, but we're sort of honing in on a lot of the vulnerabilities that you've expressed in this album. And I wonder if there's a connection there between how you felt during lockdown, um, feeling like the way that I process my feelings is through music. I haven't done this for a while, but I'm going to do it now. And I'm going to, I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm going to put it out there. Is that what sort of led to now being the time for the first solo album? Yes. All of that. Definitely. It was a combination of those things. I, I really didn't again, like set out to make a solo record necessarily. Uh, Veruca Assault was just dormant. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get a pulse from my bandmates. They just were not responding in the way that I, that a band that's in that's active does, you know, mm-hmm. um, my band partner was going in different directions, kind of finding her way, deciding what she wanted to do next. And it wasn't jump back in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of waiting and waiting and doing other projects with her. And, um, in the meantime, kept songwriting and um, whether or not I, I, I meant to songs tend to bubble up in my sleep and wake me up. Sometimes mm. I go to my phone and sing the, the melody into my voice memos and then listen in the morning if I remember to. And I have so many voice memos that of songs that are demanding to be written and recorded. Like right now um, I could just be in the studio all the time and I'd be happy. I have so many songs to write. But it also feels really good to wrap up a record. And yeah. it feels really good to write a solo record. Um, I've always, and I've written solo records, so to speak, although I was open to, I was co-songwriting on on a couple of them. Um, but really, Veruca Salt, Four, Resolver, and uh, mm-hmm. Lord of Sounds and Lesser Things EP, those were my babies. True. I had made, it was so important to me to keep the band under with whatever lineup it was going um, that, and I really wanted to find the next version of Ruka salt that was going to be the definitive version, but the, for, you know, wasn't meant to be that. And I think that when I finally found the band, I wanted to be the definitive version at that point, it was in Ruka salt four. Um, and I played with like incredible people along the way, incredibly talented people. Some of them like great songwriters in their own right. Um, like Kevin Tiesa, incredible songwriter. I played with Matt Walker, who's an incredible drummer. He played on this record on Hollywood Hills. Um, and I worked with, um, I worked with incredible people who are my dear friends. Um, I admire them so much and I'm so grateful for them, but it largely those are my records. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of funny to to feel like this is my first solo record because I I carried those. You did. I, that's true. They may have had the Veruca Salt name, but they were you were the leader of that gang at that point. So yeah, I once I realized that this was that in a way that I had the opportunity to put out my own record, it was such a relief. And for the first time, I'm not carrying the the mantle or the brand or or the you know the heaviness of the band name. Um, I would never have considered doing that at this juncture. Like when my, when the original lineup reunited, um, it would, that was, that was, that was sort of the, our finale, our healing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, I was playing with a lineup, Nicole Fiorentino, Kelly Scott, and Stephen Fitzpatrick on Veruca Salt 4. 
and that we were ready to make another record. And my, um, I was at that time, I just really wanted to have a baby and that's what became most important to me. And, um, and music like making another record didn't really fit with that. Mm -hmm. Um, also it was feeling like an uphill battle that I didn't want to fight. Um, so I just sort of, nothing ever happened. There were no fireworks. There were no stormies, like storms, you know, and mm -hmm. problems. We just sort of drifted. And, um, years later I got a, you know, a call from Nina Gordon and who wanted to get together an email. And, and that was the beginning of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know if I'd ever make music again after that. I wasn't oh. really interested in it. Um, and so I, I didn't really much care whether I did or not. Mm -hmm. And, um, now I can't imagine not having made both <laughs> notes. I can't imagine not making this record. And it feels, it, again, it, it's just liberating to be, um, to be on my own and to be uh -huh. making my own choices and to be doing it under my own name. And I kind of wish I did do it sooner, yeah. but I'm glad that things are the way they are. So, okay. So I have two, hopefully they're quick questions relating to what you just said. Number one, what we could try to cover sort of the business side of things on here a little bit. What did you do? from i mean ghost notes is a really solid album Um, other than that, it had been, I don't know, 16 years or so of sort of, you know, quiet. What do you do during that time? Do, I mean, I know you're a mom and you raise your child. And is that the focus is PTA meetings and, you know, bath time? Is that the uh, focus? 16 years? Well, I was trying to think when, because between now and so the fourth Veruca Salt album comes out when? 2006, I think? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then there's nothing until Ghost Notes. Yeah. We and were now running, this. We, were toured okay. on, we toured on that in 2007, 2000, doing shows in 2008. And we were writing in 2008 for the next record. And um, marriage, pregnancy, emergency surgeries on my husband, for my husband. Like a lot of stuff started happening half that year mm. and i that's when i i was suddenly very distracted and consumed with what's the next what is this what's happening in my life i was in crisis mode it was like in yeah. the trenches and um 
And so I, I guess it was sort of survival mode for the next couple of years until my daughter was born. Okay. And just emo- just personally. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I wasn't like, um, I mean, I wasn't in an emergency state myself. I was healthy and whole. I was just um, really wanting to build a family. Um, my husband had some scary stuff happen um, where that landed him in the hospital with these emergency surgeries on his leg. We thought he might lose his leg, like some crazy stuff happened. And, um, and then when I had, when we had Charlie, um, uh, I just focused on motherhood. And then when Charlie, I wasn't, I mean, I was really just not sleeping for two years, Mm -hmm. uh, taking 100% 24-7 mom. I had the luxury of doing that. It was also exhausting, like nothing I'd ever experienced. And I had like postpartum anxiety that I was never, that was never diagnosed, but it was like full on. And, um, and I just never, never without my, my baby. Um, And at two and a half, um, they started doing like three hour preschool, which felt like my heart was being ripped out Mm -hmm. and, um, and so on. Um, And, but it was at two and a half that Nina wrote me and reached out. So it was just like this tiny chunk, but right. Say that after ghost notes, I mean, Nina and I got together that year and we're started working on our writing a record essentially. And it just started taking shape. We released an EP in 2012. True. My daughter That's was true. born in 2010. We released, we reunited in 2012. We released an EP in 2013. We released our record in 2015. We toured through, I know the next couple of years um, on and off, but I also became a music teacher at my kid's school because. Oh, Charlie- okay. That's what I was curious. Great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm getting there slowly, but I, uh, there was no music teacher in kindergarten and that, that was completely unacceptable to me. And um, there are obviously no, I realized there are no music teacher in most kindergartens. Yeah. yeah. And how are these children learning without music in their lives? How are they learning? And this is, it's so there's, it's scientifically proven that, yeah early childhood music education is tied with emotional and, and brain development. Mm-hmm. And so a neurodevelopment. So how, and they learn better and quicker and faster if they have music in their lives. So how is it possible? Um, I, I'm still like incensed that that has been stripped from our children's lives in public schools across the country. So at, what I could do was show up with my guitar and volunteer. And that's what I did. And I ended up, I went from 25 kids with a friend of mine um, to also to um, being the music teacher in two schools from TK to third grade. And it was like a full-time job, but it was very much not paid like a full-time job. (laughs) Um, And I also realized at a certain point that if I kept doing this, I would never make my own music again. Uh I could totally do this for the rest of my life. I could start a YouTube channel and be like <laughs> Miss Louise, you know, and, yes. and like make legions of kids happy. And maybe that would be a totally valid you path. You should do that. That'd be great. I, mean, I still could, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, this record demanded to be made. And um, I wasn't like, I wasn't committed enough to that. This was too important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Charlie was aging out of that time and the stars aligned to keep me on this path. Um, and this was calling to me, like this record really demanded to be made. So I listened to that and I, and I went down this path and here we are. I'm glad you did. Okay. We only got a couple minutes left. Uh, I'll jump right to it. A few years ago, we had Bob Rock on the show and, uh, 
he talked lovingly about working with you guys on your album. I love that album. I wonder what it's like working with Bob Rock. This is one of the reasons why I brought up that, you know, 80s hair metal sound because he's one of the architects of that sound and you brought yeah. him in to make your second album sure. and it's a killer album. So what was tell what was the thinking behind well, yeah, let's bring in the Motley Crue guy to make our little album. To be fair, it was the Metallica guy that we Well, that's that, true. That's true. That, yeah. yeah. Um and we were managed by Q Prime, who managed same same managers of Metallica. We were on tour with Live and PJ Harvey. We were opening up for them on, at Sheds across America, and uh, summer of '95. And we were looking at who was going to make um, our next record. We were touring on American Thighs, and we had met with Brendan O'Brien, who we thought would be a good person, who we really admired. Um, but he likes to make records in seven weeks. He's like, I'm seven weeks. I'm hard out, right? Yeah. And we thought, no, we're not, we're, we tried that with Brad Wood. Brad Wood wanted to make American Thighs in two weeks. Mm -hmm. It ended up taking us like two months, you know, at least um, of going back into the studio when they had an opening to piecemeal American Thighs together. Um, so we wanted to like a long stretch of time to be able to like really get in, dive in and take our time. And that wasn't Brendan O'Brien. He wasn't our guy for that reason. And then we, we're sitting there listening to the sound man ring out the system every day at, at sound at uh, live sound check. We were catering, uh, playing at our Sandman every day, and we were really in the business of doing like surprise turns, like sharp turns, mm -hmm. because our little blue our blue collar scene in Chicago had snubbed us. Our indier than thou scene had like like eaten like eat their young in Chicago and. Um, so we made our EP with Albini, Steve Albini next, mm -hmm. uh, which was straight after that. And then we're like, what's the most punk rock thing we could do? It's, it's fucking Bob rock. <laughs> like what sounds better than enter Sandman? I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, we met with Bob and we loved him. Uh -huh. And uh, he was like, yeah, the only problem is you have to come to Maui to make your record. And we're like, <laughs> oh, gee. We lived in, in Maui for a summer because his family had just moved down there. Yeah. And it was an incredible experience. It was amazing. Bob is incredible. I learned so much from him yeah. and his team. Um, Randy Staub, Brian Dobbs. Uh, you know, it was a really, it, it was a great time. It was a great experience. It wasn't necessarily a great time for the band. We were kind of splintering, mm -hmm. but 
we also like we had so much fun and it was a, it was a really healthy place to be um instead of in sort of the the dark nights of chicago like mm-hmm. we were really living in in beauty just surrounded yeah. by beauty and and so by the time we were I would go bike riding every morning and then do all my exercises and Nina would be by the pool. And it was just gorgeous. And uh, it couldn't have been a better setting. And Bob made it at a very luxurious pace. Cause like his wife was like six o'clock, you got to be home for dinner with the (laughs) And we were like, wait, we work till 11. I'll work till two, you know? And and then on Resolver, I went the other way. I worked Uh all night long, but Uh on, we made arms to hold you in a really healthy way. So that by the end of the, the record we were all so healthy we're like Good. glowing from having lived in maui all summer it was it was a really nice experience i love bob deeply yeah i do too he's been out here a couple of times well uh i'm already sad, sad we're out of time but thanks louise this was great i i love the new album in fact and i'm not just saying this i might like your new solo album better than a, any veruca salt albums i like it uh it it's great and i hope you're and i'm and i'm excited to see you here in denver here in a couple of weeks well thank you i can't wait to see you and meet you in person and that is the nicest thing anyone could ever say to me (laughs) i'm Um, not i'm not i wouldn't say that if i didn't mean it and uh i really do yeah i I can tell that you are a very sincere person you are uh you are very real and um i appreciate your saying that it means a lot to me me too well, thank you. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for doing this with me. It meant a lot. All right, there you have it, Louise Post. I love this new album. Um, I mean, I meant what I said about I kind of enjoy it more than more than Veruca Salt albums. I, those are great, too. They rock. But I kind of feel like Sleepwalker is working with just a wider uh, palette of colors. You know, I, I feel like Veruca Salt has a couple of speeds hard you know rock and then some ballads and sleepwalker has a lot of different speeds and a lot of different colors that it's playing with and i like that about this album so anyway please check it out and she's on tour right now you can check out her well i don't think she has an acting active website but you can follow her on facebook and see them on there i want to close it out with volcano girls because it's the other giant veruca salt hit and because the seether we find out in here the seether was louise all along anyway fun little bit of trivia now um next week is a twofer we're talking to a member of another one of the great uh huge 90s bands that's the first part of the conversation and then the second part is a conversation i had with a, a one of the funniest guy i love this interview he's a songwriter whose name came up in the uh Robbie Neville interview. I don't, you might know a few of the songs that he's written, but you'll love the guy when, by the time we're done with it because it is such a fun conversation. That's what's coming up next week. And I think there might be a deep dive coming out this weekend finally because we got Yan back. So nice to have Yan back. Thanks. Yan the man is here. Uh, you guys can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. All right. Thanks, everybody. We love you.